1: I'm Sabrina Meadow, and I'm guest hosting this week's podcast. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing. Today, we're talking about the stuff nightmares are made of after two women were seriously injured by a black bear in BC. According to a report in the Vancouver Sun, this wasn't a mama bear protecting her cubs, but a bear treating its victims as prey. On the show, we have Colin Dowler, an actual bear attack survivor who found himself in a similarly terrifying scenario back in 2019. In his case, the attacker wasn't a black bear, but a 350-pound grizzly. His story is nothing short of incredible, so let's dive in. So we're having this conversation today because earlier this month, two women were critically injured after a bear attack in northeastern BC. And Colin, I want to read you an excerpt from a CTV News article on uh, the situation. Well after sunset, officers found the victims critically injured, lying in the bush with a large boar black bear nearby. Several attempts were made to scare the bear off. However, it would not leave the vicinity of the victims, said Bounties in a news release. RCMP officers believed the bear to be guarding the victims, so discharged a rifle, striking the bear, and killing it. Now, Colin, what what are your thoughts on this situation?
0: Oh, geez, well, uh, my thoughts on that are that I have
1: learned that uh, uh,
0: black bears are like similarly deadly to grizzlies. Um, although there's a lot more of them, and the, the majority of uh, like serious black bear incidents are, are predatory uh, male bears.
1: Mm, yeah, it just sounds terrifying. And I was reading a follow-up to that article that says one of the women has a 50 percent chance of losing her left arm with a high risk of infection, and the other will remain in hospital for weeks or even months, with no other details on her condition, but obviously it's incredibly serious, and this is just such a tragic situation. Um, as someone who has experienced rehabbing from this type of attack, what's their road ahead going to look like?:
0: Oh my goodness. Don't even know what to say, right? Like my heart certainly goes out to them. Uh I know that while I was en route to the hospital I certainly had fear of being an amputee. Uh and when I woke up in the morning after surgery and seeing that I had both legs was uh I mean it was I don't know, like a joyous moment, believe it or not. I bet. Um man, I don't even know. Right. Like I was forty days in hospital. And I had a pretty good outlook all in all. Uh, And then once I was out of hospital, I had some dire news that I uh, may uh, never walk normally again, that I'd need a leg brace for the rest of my life. Um, And that uh, hung over me for several months until the news started to look better and my nerves were recovering properly. Um, man, you know, I don't even know what to say for them other than for me, keeping a positive outlook and sticking to the doctors
1: and mostly physiotherapist orders, uh, has paid off well. Forty days in the hospital. How do you even keep a positive outlook in a situation
0: like that? <laughs> Perhaps the medication helped. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just, I don't think that I really had any other option. Um, I think sincerely that um, I, I was lucky in that I was able to fight the bear off myself and get myself to help. Um, and then the loggers, you know, uh, stepped up to keep me alive long enough to get me to hospital. Um So I had a bit of a survivor's mentality, like, wow, like I, I've got it this far. I'm, I'm going to carry the momentum. Um, it wasn't always easy. Uh, and then, yeah, I reached out to friends a lot. I, like I tapped into, uh, like the love that I could feel from family and friends that were reaching out to support me. And I was able to ride that momentum for several months. Uh, and then I remember, I mean, I, I got attacked in the, uh, end of July and it was sometime in the end of October. So, you know, three or four months later uh, that I did hit like a, a really low point and all in all, I had no reason to be low at that point. Cause I would just gotten some really good news that, um, my leg that might require a brace for the rest of my life was actually looking. Uh, like it was on the positive track, not negative. And yeah, I just, I caught myself in a rut and I wasn't sure how to pull out. And I ended up calling one of my cousins and just having like a a long, heartfelt conversation with her. And by the end of the conversation, I kind of come up with a strategy of, all right, I'm just going to embrace the rut that this is a really crappy feeling, but it's not going to last forever. And I kind of rode the rut down and took that momentum to climb back out the other side.
1: It's so important to have those people we can lean on. But let's go back to the beginning because I'm not sure not all of our listeners know your full story. So perhaps we can go back to July 2019 and you can walk us through what you were doing that day that led you to being attacked by a grizzly bear.
0: All right. So, yeah, on that day, uh, I just finished uh, camping a night in the subalpine on the uh, mainland coast. Um, and I'd packed up camp and was mountain biking down a logging road uh, back towards my boat to head home. And that was when I came across at about noon, I right, came across a grizzly bear in the middle of the logging road.
1: Now, have you been camping in this area before? Had you seen bears there before?
0: Um, So I had never camped in that area before. I think it was my fourth visit to that area, Um, but it actually had been geez, in excess of a decade uh, since the last time I'd been up there. Uh, So yeah, that was the first time I'd spent a night. I'd never seen a bear in there, uh, but five weeks earlier when I was in the same area, uh I certainly noticed there was a lot of bear sign like like a more than average amount of uh bear scat uh on the road and on the uh, uh the trail that I was pushing up
1: oh man okay so you see the bear then what happens
0: oh so, well I stopped my bike and I you know yelled at the bear right hey bear it's kind of standard practice cuz really almost everywhere you go around here there's the possibility of seeing a bear and or bear sign. Uh, so you just get used to you know, yelling at them and typically they, they turn and run. Um, okay, wait, So
1: yelling is standard practice because that's counterintuitive to me. I think I would try to stay silent, but you're yeah, well, to yell at them.
0: Yeah, just because you want to announce your presence, right? Like you're, you know, you're not sneaking around or up to anything nefarious, right? So just a, uh, hey bear, it's pretty standard. Um, although I, this is only the second time I'd uh, come across a grizzly, um, black bears I'm f- super familiar with and, uh, just confident that they're not going to be a problem. Although I realize now that was somewhat naive just cause there's so many black bears around and they're generally not a problem. I realized that, uh, they, they can't actually be a serious issue. Uh, but anyhow, yeah. So I just stopped and the bear was maybe 75 or hundred feet away and I announced to it, Hey bear. And uh, then it stopped and it was looking at the bush and back towards me and back at the bush. I'm thinking, man, that's a grizzly bear. And I really just wish it would step into the bush and walk away like a bear (laughs) is supposed to do. Uh, But instead it decided to slowly approach me.
1: And at what point are alarm bells really going off in your head? Uh, Well, when I
0: realized it was a grizzly, that certainly was a heightened a sense of concern, let's say, and once it started walking towards me as opposed to stepping into the bush, uh, I became really concerned.
1: Okay, and then how do you react once it starts walking towards you?
0: Well, I was straddling my bike and I thought to myself, oh crap, it's a grizzly and it's walking towards me. What do I do? I should probably ready some kind of defense. I thought about, uh, like, getting back on my bike and riding away. I thought, it is so close. If it is interested in me, it's going to catch me anyways. So I'm just going to stand my ground. And I pulled one of my hiking poles off my backpack. And I extended it so I could, you know, have some kind of long prod as a deterrent. And I mean, it's probably pretty naive thinking, but I was feeling a bit desperate. And then I uh, banged my pole on the handlebars of my bike and hoping that that noise might deter it because my initial yell at it didn't do anything. Uh, but he just proceeded to, to approach uh, despite, you know, me trying to deter it by banging my pole.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're banging on your bike and it's still coming at you. Then what happens?
0: Well, it's continued to approach slowly until it was maybe 30 feet away. And at 30 feet, I was still straddling my bike and I'm thinking, man, like, I feel really vulnerable in this position. So I, I stepped off my bike and the bear skittered on like all four paws and could like hear the scratch and the uh, gravel road. And then it paused for oh, a second and then started slowly walking up towards me again and continued walking at that same slow pace. Uh, until, you know, I don't know, it was just a few feet away from me. And I looked it right in the eyes, not necessarily deliberately, but it was uh, piercing and I couldn't hold the, uh, the, the glare. So I t- tucked my head away and I'm not sure exactly when the situation stripped me of all my confidence. And I normally have pretty good bravado uh, in the bush and around animals. Uh, but I was incredibly scared at this point, uh, although still hopeful. Um, so I'm looking away so that I'm not making eye contact and it proceeded on methodically, uh, along beside my bike close enough. I could have reached out and touched it. I remember thinking, man, I wish I was filming this cause nobody's going to believe us this close to a bear. I regret- so it sounds
1: like you keep saying the bear was walking slowly and methodically. So this is actually taking a while. To progress, it seems like. H- how long from the time you saw the bear to when it really gets in front of you? Uh maybe a minute. But that must have felt like the longest minute of your life, I'm sure. It was a long time. I mean, I had time to
0: get my pack off, take a pole off my pack, extend the pole, put my pack back on, you know, while it was walking up, and then step off my bike. Yeah, he was it was a really cautious approach when he was right beside me there. Uh like he dipped his head two or three times, you know, it reminded me of a shy dog that doesn't know if it wants to let you pet it or not. Uh and then he walked like clear past another six inches and he his rump would have cleared the back tire of my bike. Oh wow and then he did a hundred and eighty degree turn. Um and that was probably the moment he asked, like when, you know, did I realize like, oh my goodness, this is bad. That was the moment that I was like truly frightened. Um, because it wasn't walking right by, it was engaging with me. Uh, so I spun, I put my bike in between us and, uh, as he, you know, moved towards, I, uh, reached out with my pole and I placed it on the flat of his head between the eyes. Um, I didn't want to swat it like in my mind. I'm like, I don't want this bear to be angry. I just want it to go away. Um, so I just placed it, not even a poke or a stab placed my pole on its forehead And, uh, it seemed all right. Like it was holding him back, but then he rolled his head and bit the pole and we had a momentary tug of war and he let go and started coming towards me again. So I dropped the pole and I unclipped my pack and, uh, threw it on the ground. Uh, he was pretty close. So I couldn't throw it right in between us without striking the bear with the bag. And the same idea was I don't want this bear to be angry.
1: No, so, you don't want to start a fight, understandably. No,
0: yeah, right. So I, the bag landed like like right beside, a little bit in front of it. And he took one quick sniff at the bag. I was hoping he'd go for the food in it, which I've learned later is a foolish thing to do. But anyhow, I tried it. Um, and he took one sniff and then was coming back at me. And at this stage, I was trying to negotiate with the bear. Like, whoa, whoa hey, like, we, <laughs> we don't need to do this, right? I'm not sure exactly what I was saying, but.
1: I mean, it's worth a try at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but anyhow, so then he started uh, prodding at my bike, right? Or I guess, you know, poking towards me and I was just holding my bike out to block. what at first, it I wouldn't call it a swat. It was more like a poke, you know, and then another jab and another jab. And then somewhere getting into around the fourth or sixth, you know, one of these prods with, you know, his big, heavy paw with, you know, claws sticking out. Um, he had re- re- raised his arm high enough that I felt like I was going to get like squashed under the next blow that was coming. So out of desperation, I threw my bike at him and all in one motion. I remember seeing his leg coming through. I think there's like the center of the A-frame of the bike. Um, and then he just stepped forward and, and lunged at me and grabbed me by the side between the, the ribs and the hip and gave a little shake to sink his teeth in, and the next thing I know I'm being carried down the road back towards where the bear, where, where I'd initially seen him.
1: So he didn't even, like, get a paw on your first He just went straight in with the teeth?
0: Yeah, yeah, just went for a straight, straight lunge and grabbed me by the flank, so I was, you know, suspended from his jaws. I think maybe my heel was dragging, but I, I know that my head wasn't touching the ground as he was... You know, carrying me back down the road about 40 feet before he put me down. And I don't know if he was uh, put me down because I was slipping from his grip or because he was getting tired from carrying me for so long.
1: And so when he's carrying you, are you struggling? Are you playing dead? I, I Like, are you just in shock? What's uh, happening during this period?
0: Yeah, so I was i don't I don't know if shock's the right word. I knew I was in big freaking trouble. Um, I wasn't in pain, but I could feel like this weird sort of warmth around uh, where he was had bitten me or was carrying me. And I remember thinking that I was kind of paralyzed by it. Like I couldn't really use my arms. I so I was just like, okay, I'm just at this thing's mercy right now. I'm gonna hang here. And I remember thinking that if he drags me into the bush, I'm a goner for sure. Uh, but he just carried me to the to the edge of the road and uh, put me down and then he cinched up his his bite around my flank there, right so picture you know two teeth in my back and two teeth in my abdomen, as big canines. And so he cinched up that bite and gave another little shake to you know sort of sink his teeth in and i thought man i better start trying to fight this thing like you know I can, I can do something now because now i was on like laying on the ground on my back so i attempted to uh like use a double eye gouge move but his head was so big i couldn't reach his his left or his right eye so with my right hand i just grabbed his ear and stuffed my thumb into his eye as hard as i could thinking that i was just going to hold it in there and you know there's no way the bear was going to be able to withstand that, but, I, it was a blur in that moment. I think I poked him in the eye for a millisecond. And uh, next thing I know, I had been spun around 180 degrees. And I was on my back and shoulders trying to kick the bear off me as he was corralling my legs with his paws and, and biting into my thighs.
1: Oh, my gosh. And when you say, sorry, I just want to go back a second Has this shocked me. When he had his mouth around your flank, the, his... The top of his teeth were in your abdomen and his bottom teeth were in your back. The mouth is that big on a grizzly bear?
0: Oh, other way around.
1: Oh, sorry. So
0: his up, upper teeth were in my back or in like a, around the back, right? I mean, officially it's all the flank, right? But yeah, so his upper teeth were around the on my back and his lower teeth were uh, more in my abdomen.
1: Wow. I mean, I, I just can't get over the size.
0: Yeah, the bear was uh, nine feet long, nose to toe. Okay. So
1: let's get back to you're trying to poke the bear in the eye. You might have poked him in the eye for a little bit. You're trying to kick him. Then what happens?
0: Yeah. So I definitely poked him in the eye. Uh, and he's <laughs> corralling my legs with his paws. So he never swatted me with a paw that I'm aware of. Um, then I could see his claws on like either side of my leg. While he was like getting my leg into position so he could bite into my thighs. And then I was just just kicking wildly trying to, you know, make this all stop. And he's thrashing wildly. And then that was on my right leg at first. And then I'm not sure how much he transferred back and forth. But I think he went from my left leg into my right and then back to my left. And uh, and then ultimately he ended up settling down uh, like high up into my groin. Um, with me pinned under one of his arms on my abdomen and was biting into my uh, left thigh and would like bite and give a little shake just to sink his teeth in. And then he'd lift his head up and then bite in again. And I'm not sure how many times he did that. Again, maybe four or six times. It was quite a few. And then ultimately settled down in on, on my left thigh up high and it was like just twisting away. And I remember thinking it felt like my hip was going to dislocate. That might've been the first time I I really felt pain Um, and the feeling like my hip was going to dislocate. So again, in desperation and thinking to myself like, this is just ridiculous. This isn't going to work, but I have to do something. I tried uh, prying his mouth off of my leg. And so I dabbed my thumbs into his mouth, like into his gums, right? Or like between the cheek and the gums. I was prying with uh, all it was worth. I didn't feel like I was doing much. And I could see his teeth and the drool and his uh, gums were like huffing like a... (sighs) And uh, I guess it bugged him enough. He let go of of my thigh and he bit my hand. And then it was just one bite. And then he went back in to to dig it into my thigh, but further down where I couldn't reach him.
1: So when he's biting your legs, is he just... Biting, for lack of a better term, like for the sake of it, attacking you? Or do you think he's actually trying to eat you?
0: Okay, well, at that point, I think he was just biting for biting's sake. I don't, you know what I mean? I can't yeah. really describe it other than, I mean, after I poked him in the eye, it was a, it was a frenzy. Um, but then ultimately, after I, he bit my hand and was further down my thigh, uh, chewing away... And I was desperate. I'm like, man, I'm out of ideas. I was, you know, yelling a few things. The only thing I remember yelling was why and stop. I didn't yell for help because I knew there wasn't any. And I was just, you know, yeah, I was kind of laying there in desperation, you know, feeling horrible that I was abandoned my family and that I kind of did this hike against my wife's will. Um, and I could hear his teeth, grating against my femur and he was digging like the bite indications are not that he was or like around my thigh he was like kind of digging in nice. and then and then pulling meat out and so at that point uh i believe he was like actively trying to consume me
1: wow oh my gosh so how do you get out of this insane situation
0: well so while while he was doing that. I remember that I had a pocket knife in my right pocket. So it was quite a struggle to get to my knife. Actually, I guess it's probably relevant, that I'm like, oh, I got a knife. And I was going to grab my knife. And he tore into some nerves, I guess, but something that hurt so bloody much. I like screamed out of control and arced back. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to lay here, play dead. And he bit into that same thing again and saying, I screamed again. I thought, all right, doing this, I I can't play dead. I better go for my knife. So I struggled like hell to uh, get my arms, which were pinned on my left side, across my abdomen under his weight, to uh, get to my pocket knife in my right pocket. And I opened it up. And then again, it was a struggle to get the knife back through to the other side. I kind of had to like reach up above my head to swing my arm through. And then I kind of leant up as uh, far as I could with his exposed neck and I stabbed him in the neck for all it was worth. And in my mind, I was going to stab him like, you know, a million times. Um, But as it worked out, I stabbed him with the pocket knife. And as I pulled the knife out from the first stab, he also lifted his head up and pulled his neck away from the knife at the exact same time. And then in that moment, man, like I can't reach his neck anymore. It was that long. I thought, wow, I could stab him in the shoulder. I don't really want to do that because right now he's not inflicting any more damage. We should wait and see what happens. And then a big gush of blood uh, spewed from his neck and splashed onto my, uh, on, onto my waist or my hips. And uh, then ultimately from there, he got right up off me and uh, walked back up to where my bike was, you know, like you know, 40 feet back there mm-hmm. and uh, bleeding the whole way. And then he sniffed at my bike and he ended up uh, crapping three times, taking a huge pee so I thought I'd probably killed him because that was, a, you know, a sign of like physical trauma.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, sniffed at my bike for a little while and then he walked back towards me but on the opposite side of the road until he was near level with me. And then he turned and veered towards the trail that he had stepped out of where I first saw him. And he stood at that trailhead, and he would look at me and look back at the bush. And I was just laying there looking at him thinking, man, would you just fall over and die? And uh, the bleeding was slowing down and he wasn't falling over. And I thought, man, I'm dying here. I better get a tourniquet on. So I ignored the bear and cut my sleeve off and hiked it up over all my wounds, which was a little distressing. I thought it was my pants that were all bunched up. Um, So as I was trying to straighten my pants out, I realized it was actually like like meat bulging out of the, the bite wounds. So I just looked away from that and I went by feel and pulled the tourniquet up over all those wounds and tightened down the best knot that I could. And wow, then, the
1: presence of mind you had in this situation, to be still thinking clear enough to be administering first aid on yourself. Like, had you had experience in emergency situations before? How do you think you 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 kept a hold of yourself?
0: So, I, that I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, I mean, I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, so... I mean, Maybe from like years of boating experience and like, you know, I guess, you know, life threatening or challenging stormy seas, you know, help you to keep a cool head. Maybe that's skiing. I'm not sure, but I've like, uh, <laughs> been in first aid situations where I was like, oh my goodness, I should probably help this, you know, old old lady that's fallen in the parking lot and seems hurt. I was so thankful when someone that knew better than me showed up to, to help and spell me off. So, yeah, I know I don't have any, uh, you know, specific training.
1: We'll be back with more full comment in just a moment. Okay, so you're, you're with the turnkey. The bear's still on the other side of the road.
0: Yeah. so What happens next? Well, I, I finished with the turnkey. I looked over and the bear was gone. So that was a relief, um, although I didn't necessarily know like where it had gone to, but I was just happy that it wasn't looking at me anymore. Uh, So I looked at the time and it was 12.01 and I thought, all right, like what, what what am I going to do now? I did take a breather, right? Like, okay, like I kind of relax and what, you know, what am I going to do? So anyhow, it was noon. I thought, man, if there's loggers up the road, they're not going to come by until three or four in the afternoon. and I didn't feel like I was going to, live for that much longer. So I thought my best option was to try to get on my bike and ride my bike down to the logging camp where their first aid attendant is and their and their cook right I'd met him the day before. So I knew there'd be someone down there. Um so I tried crawling to my bike I couldn't do it cuz it hurt my knees too much. <laughs> I remember I, I cursed myself. I didn't curse myself out loud, but in my head I like "dowler seriously." If you can't suck up the pain to crawl back to your bike, uh, but I couldn't do it, so yeah, okay, I, I
1: think you were being a bit harsh on yourself yeah, in that moment.
0: Yeah, but the reality is, I felt I needed to get to the bike, and I legitimately couldn't hack the pain of the gravel in my knees. Right, it wasn't the wounds; it was the pain of gravel poking my kneecaps. So I flipped onto my butt and I uh, kicked with my one good leg, like pushed with that leg and and my hands to push myself. Uh, back to where my bike was, and uh, I got on my bike. It took me two tries. The first try, I ended up face planting off the other side, and that was a pretty low moment. I was like, "Oh man, I'm in trouble." And I gave another try, and I got on, and I uh, started a one leg pedal. I had my bad leg um, was like weight to get my pedal back up, but I couldn't put any pressure on it. And with my good leg, which was still, you know, I had Fifteen or twenty bite holes in it. I pedaled with that uh, the seven kilometers back to the logging camp.
1: Seven kilometers. Like, weren't you in an incredible amount of pain? How did you make it there?
0: So, for what it's worth, I I was feeling no pain, or at least none that registered. I knew I was in huge trouble. Right, like, I could just I could feel my my seat warming from the blood coming out of that flank wound, right? Kind of pouring down my back Mm -hmm. and probably down my butt crack. I could just see all the blood on my legs and my boots were full of blood. And uh, I'm watching where the bear bled on my front tire and just seeing this bloody wheel go round and round. And uh, the caveat, I had just a three and a half kilometer pedal on relatively flat road like I got to coast sometimes but I had to pedal up like very slight uphills at times um, but it was three and a half K until I could coast downhill the rest of the way to the logging camp and yeah I just endured it I don't man I was so tired that every bend that I went around every little rise that I went up I thought okay around this bend is where I get to coast the rest of the way or above this rise that's where I finally get to coast and there's kilometer markers on these logging roads and when I saw the 5k sign I thought oh my god I've still got two more kilometers to go before I can coast it was like a truly disheartening moment because I didn't think that I had the endurance to make it that far so I was just so bloody tired
1: but you did make it that far yeah. and what happens when you get to the logging camp
0: all yeah, right so I crashed into the uh Logging camp and it turns out that, so these loggers, I'd forgotten that uh, they were boating to where they were working each day from the camp. So there was no cavalry coming down the road, had to have chosen to wait in place for someone to come help. Um, so one of the loggers, turns out, I learned after, had actually seen me riding my bike down, but he didn't think anything of it. Uh, so he told the guys, oh yeah, you know, the guy from the, you know, the bushes back.
1: Wait, he saw you riding your bike after the bear attack Yeah, I mean, and wait. didn't think anything of it.
0: No, because he didn't realize what was coming, right? And He
1: somehow missed all the blood, I guess.
0: Yeah, it was a ways off, right? I didn't see him, so it must have been a ways off, right? And uh, okay. so anyhow, so I, I crash landed. It was actually like I, I landed quite well with my bike at, at the stairwell, which is three or four steps and then a small landing. And then it goes into um, like the galley where they, you know, eat and play cards and stuff and uh so i went to step off my bike and i like face planted on onto that landing with my legs on the step still and they were already making comments right like i heard them chirping at me i can just imagine they're probably saying like ha, oh, oh, nice nice landing buddy or whatever right <laughs> and uh on my ride down because i had a lot of time to think I'd, I'd made my like rescue plan was to yell help as loud as i could as many times as i had to to get someone to come help me because who knows where these people might be in the camp. And, uh, and then once I had someone there to tell them to uh, call a helicopter. So I heard them. So I just yelled, help. I've been mauled by a grizzly. Call a helicopter. And they came running out and they were, yeah, they were quite panicked. They were not ready for uh, (laughs) the bloody scene that they were looking at. Right.
1: Okay. And so the helicopter arrives and what happens then?
0: Um, well the paramedics came walking in and I I was still conscious, if, if only barely. And uh sure felt good. And it was kinda like that I'm not religious, but it was that scene where the sun's shining in through the sliding glass door and these, you know, two men in uniform with, you know, their bags and whatnot, and, you know, with the silhouette you can just mm-hmm. see their shadows. So it's like, oh my god. I'm saved, right? Here comes my angels. Yeah, Hallelujah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they, uh, yeah, they get very, very uh, calm and methodically uh, got down to business, and al- almost immediately uh, put an IV in my arm and uh, started to give me blood on the scene, and, uh, and I, amongst other things, right? When they gave me that blood and, and mentioned that uh, they were lucky that they were able to give blood on the scene because uh, that was relatively new uh, for paramedics. And that without that blood, my odds of making it back to a hospital alive were slim.
1: How bad were things? What what was the prognosis? Uh, what were your injuries?
0: Well, they didn't give me a prognosis right then and there. Um, but they were struggling to find a pulse in my left leg uh, below my knee. I remember down around my foot. And it wasn't until, I think it was like their their pulmonary surgeon uh, when she finally showed up and using something they called a doppler right she finally found a pulse we We're like oh, okay yeah we got a pulse down here um, and then they were uh, really concerned about that flank wound because uh, my kidney was visible through it okay. and they, yeah and they weren't sure if my abdominal cavity had been punctured or not um, and yeah that was essentially it I know at one point. Uh, they asked if they could start cutting away uh, dead muscle um, to like prep me before I went in for uh, surgery and my CT scans. And then a conservation officer showed up to get a statement, and that got interrupted when I was getting whisked away um, for my CT scan. Uh, I managed to get a bunch of pictures right before I got taken away. They like, said, "Do I have pictures of my wounds?" It's like, no, no. <laughs> my little brother and sister started taking pictures. But the uh, medical staff wouldn't wouldn't allow me to roll onto my side to let them get a picture of my flank wound. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: They're like, it's not worth it for the Instagram.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I remember my little brother saying to them, "He's like, all right, but you'll you'll, uh, you'll take a picture in the in the surgical suite, right?" And you are like, "Yeah, yeah, we will." But I'm sure they were just saying that to shut us up so they could wheel us along and take uh, care of the more. I love
1: it. Your little brother has his priorities straight. That's right. Yeah. Obviously, the physical toll was huge. But I imagine being attacked by a grizzly would also be psychologically traumatizing. Were you offered access to any sort of mental health care or a therapist?
0: Yeah. yeah. So they, while I was in hospital, they offered that to me. So right away in Vancouver General, it was offered. And then, um, when I arrived at the hospital was offered, but honestly I was feeling pretty good. I said, you know, I appreciate it. But right now I'm, you know, I, I've got really good positive energy I, Right, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, so it wasn't until that, um, you know, but I don't want to call it depression, but that, that, that really low moment near the end of October, um, that the next time I, I had a scheduled visit with my family doctor, it wasn't much after, um, I mentioned uh, yeah, I, could, I could use the mental health support now. Uh, but just the way the system goes, I really should have got myself connected while I was in hospital um, because now I was out, out, of, out of that system and into more of the public health, you know, coming in off the street system. So it took three months for me to get an intake appointment. For what it's worth, I don't think I started feeling post-trauma, like sincerely until like two and a half years in, like it wasn't until this spring that I just, I was carrying like anxiety with me, like this tightness about me and I had a little bit of stage fright in a work scenario that I would, I was already trained in and and fairly confident. And for whatever reason, like I I almost fell apart and uh, it was like doing some radio work Right, but anyhow, I say, why does this happen? So, I figured that was a post-trauma, just kind of catching up with me. So, I went and I did, took a little counseling, but honestly, it didn't. I didn't seem to get much benefit from it. So,
1: so how are you doing now, both mentally and physically?
0: Uh, well, mentally, I I can't say other than like, I am conscious that sometimes this anxiety. I uh, like I'll wake up with it. I'm like, okay, and I just assume it's. It's bear-related. this isn't the only trauma in my life either, right? But mm. the bear is the most most recent severe trauma. Um, and then physically, I'm, I'm doing well. Like if I stay on top of my routine exercises and stretches, like I'm really quite able. Uh, but man, it doesn't take long. Like if I let it go, I, I regress quickly. And then I'm like prone to injury if I try going for a hike or something. But, yeah, I'm quite proud. This uh, this summer, in the middle of summer, I did a 50-kilometer uh, hike with a 35-pound backpack on for yeah, half or more of the hike. And I summited uh, three 6,000-foot uh, mountains and uh, crossed two glaciers.
1: So would you go back hiking ever or camping in a similar area to where you were attacked? Have, have you been camping uh, since? Yeah.
0: So I, I've, I've been back up. That exact same route that I got mauled on, and uh, climbed up in into the uh, alpine with my brother and my close friend Steve, and camped a night up there. And we were. were you scared,
1: to- or were you empowered to go back? Uh, not a
0: combination, right? Exposure therapy, let's call it. Uh, but what I have learned from all the camping that I continue to do is that I essentially need to be sleeping. Uh, with pepper spray or a firearm if it's hunting season um, to have a good night's sleep. And it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, I, I do these mountaineering hikes with, you know, there might be two or three other people and I'm the only one with pepper spray in his tent and nobody else is doing it because the odds are so slim and we're in a big group and yada, 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 but I just need my safety blanket.
1: Of course. So that leads a bit into my next question. What is your advice for other campers so that they could avoid a situation like this? Um, and also, what should someone do if they see a bear?
0: All right. So my advice is, uh, and don't get me wrong, I don't regret my years of like blissful naivety that I just walked through the woods thinking, It'll never be me because you know I'm one with nature and I've got confidence with animals and you know they won't attack me because I'm am an alpha predator, right? Yada yada.
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Right. So, in hindsight, um, what someone should do is have a well-rehearsed in their mind bear safety plan. So, what if? Right. If I see a bear, this is how I will react. Um, so I think that's a good idea so that if you do see a bear, you already know what you're going to do instead of doing what I was doing, which was scrambling for, Oh crap. What now? Oh, maybe a pole. I'll oh, throw my pack. Um, I had pepper spray with me when I left for the hike, it fell out of my pocket at some point during the hike. So you should always have pepper spray with you and have it in a proper accessible holster. Um, where it's not going to fall out of it because I'm reasonably certain that uh, because of that bear's hesitance when it approached me, had I have pepper sprayed it, it probably would have thought, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. This isn't a meal. Um, and then what else? You just generally stay vocal, right? And I was riding my bike. I wasn't making any noise other than what my bike was wearing. I did have a bear bell jingling away on my backpack. I didn't seem to do anything. Um, and then what else? I mean, this is just from reading, uh, a book from a bear biologist, but he suggested that, uh, with a grizzly bear speak with it confidently. Don't try to intimidate it because they don't like people trying to intimidate them. They tend to escalate. Um, but with a black bear, uh, that generally when they engage, um, you can do well by screaming, yelling, acting big. And if they do, like attack you physically, that the better fight you put up, the more chance they'll leave you alone. Whereas he suggests with grizzlies, they tend to escalate the harder you fight. They just fight harder. Um, so, I mean, that's really all I've got.
1: No, you shouldn't say that's all you've got. That's incredibly useful advice, especially for people who might not be as experienced with the outdoors or camping as you are. Um, So thank you for taking the time to share your story today and impart some words of wisdom that hopefully no one will ever have to actually use. But it's good to know just in case.
0: Yeah, man, I tell you, it's the oldest like getting struck by lightning. But it's a, it's a very real thing, right? My, my naivety definitely got me in trouble.
1: Well, thank you again. Yeah, that was my pleasure. Full Comment is a post-media podcast. I'm Sabrina Meadow. This episode was produced by Andre Prue with theme music by Bryce Hall. Kevin Libben is the executive producer. You can subscribe to Full Comment on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, or through Amazon Music, where you can listen through the app or Alexa-enabled devices. And you can help us by giving us a rating or a review and by telling your friends about full comment. Thanks for listening.